I want to tell you all about who I am, where I'm from, and why I think we're here. How we got here. Kind of like some of my testimony, okay? And I want to share with you some of my favorite Bible verses. Is this too close? Or is it just the speakers? Yeah. We're fixing it. Okay. Um, what's your name? No, uh, one camera for prayer. Alex. Okay. I was going to try to have fun. You know what the term tacked up means? You know when it comes to my revs or engine? Because they're tacked up. Women tend to get tacked up about this baby thing. Your job, your job is to protect her. God's job is to make this happen. Amen. Don't get that confused. And you're under no obligation to sacrifice her to people's ignorant statements and cute sayings. She's going through. She, she, this is a hard enough thing for her. Ask me how I know. Take care of her. I will never. Man, one of the most, I, I suppose the most powerful thing I've ever seen in my life was when that woman took that little baby into her arms. Those two women leaned over and it looked like two faucets were cracked open. The tears were just solid streams pouring down on her. I will never understand that in my life. read an article one time a fellow wrote I tell you if you have your Bible would you turn to Jeremiah chapter 6 read an article one time a guy wrote and he was uh, he came up with an acronym as he was wanting to fill space in the paper but he, he really wanted to have a lot to say he's talking about when I was a boy and so he created this little acronym YWAB W-I-W-A-B so I'm going to borrow it tonight for those of you who don't know anything about me I'm from another country I was born in a place most of you have never seen, never heard of. It was a pretty wonderful place. It was a place where people stayed married even when they weren't happy. The divorce rate was something less than 10%. It was a place where people spanked their kids. And somehow out of that, I seem to have cultivated a a conscience like a redwood. I've just, I've never understood, you know, I look around, I see people, and I was like, I don't know how people go through life ignoring God. Come on. He's never left me alone. Amen. Ever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when the, uh, I lived in a, in a place, I was born in a place, when the Supreme Court threw God out of school, uh, I heard a couple of pastors talking about it one day, and I said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I'm not real sure about this. When did that happen? And they gave me the date. And I said, well, none of my teachers and principals ever got informed of it because every day that I ever went to school in my life, either the principal or a student got up and led prayer. Every sporting event we ever went to, someone got up and prayed. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to look into it. I've really been busy lately. I wonder if there was ever a school shooting before that day. 
before some people dressed up in black robes. And, that's creepy. That's what witches do. <laughs> and told God to get out of a place. Amen. One of y'all work on that one. <laughs> you know, there's a place where I grew up when I was a boy. You never heard of an abortion. And very few women ever got breast cancer. Hmm. I grew up in a place and they told us people in Texas are the nicest drivers in the country. <laughs> so either somebody lied to me or things have changed. I've got a word of the Lord for you. You will not qualify for next month's Daytona 500 on the belt. <laughs> I've got an observation, you know, that uh, used to be little red cars you had to worry about now. Now it's two-door black cars and trucks. Mm -hmm. Crazy. I hope none of you driving that stuff. <laughs> I almost put one in the wall the other night. I was tired. <laughs> Shouldn't get like right up under one of these trucks. <laughs> Apparently illiteracy is a terrible problem here. Because very few people in this city understand the word stop. <laughs> Hope I'm not talking to any of y'all. <laughs> I'm having fun. I like it here. I said I'd never leave Mexico. I said I'd never live in a big city. But I qualified that second. I said I'd never live in a big city, but if I ever did, it'd be Houston. So maybe that's why we're here. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't been fishing in two months. I just don't know what to do with myself. If I ever find any water, I'm going to go. Things have changed in our life. And not necessarily for the better. I tried to get somebody to read this verse uh, last week, and they wouldn't do it. So I'm going to have to. You know, talking about that gardening thing, that really burned me because I am a gardener. I do not, at this moment, for lack of a place, have a garden, but I will shortly. And uh, you ever notice that everybody that gets, when they get real old, they start tinkering with plants? You know why? Because the first, you know, people are like, I'm going to go find myself. And they go smoke dope and do drugs and go to other countries and stuff. You want to find yourself, start your garden. God took the man and put him in a garden. And somebody retires from running the biggest company on earth, they're going to have them a little garden. Yeah. Every once in a while you see on the news, the president and his family plant something around the White House, okay? That's it. It'll save you the trip. No charge. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. One of my favorite things in the Bible says, This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. You will find rest for your souls. Amen. Did it say, look for happiness? No. Huh. Look for what you want? Yeah. I started making a list and I, I, I saw a commercial. It seemed like it was Red Bull. Got a new thing. I can do anything. 
I thought I could do all things through Christ. I thought God could do anything. Nothing's impossible to Him. Have it your way. You deserve a break today. Those aren't just cute. They are anti-Christ. Yes. And how many times a day do you hear? Start believing it. Anti-Christ. Satan said, I will. I will. I will. What's the old way? The Bible says in Jeremiah, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall be rejuvenated. Doesn't say the person that gets the next revival started. Doesn't say the person that gets the next new program that starts the next cell church or the next fad in Christendom. Boy, y'all are quiet. Did they make you mad before I got up here? No. <laughs> So we don't have fun. Maybe I was wrong. But you said we will not walk in it. I think that's our problem. I pointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said we will not listen. Therefore, hear, O nations, observe, O witnesses, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, I am bringing disaster on this people. the fruit of their schemes because they have not listened to my words. Do you know it is a documented fact? Remember cruising through the end of 1989 about November, they started saying, wow, you know, this is going to be a pretty uneventful year. Nothing's happened. And very shortly, the Berlin Wall came down. Do you know that after November of 1989, the words disaster, catastrophe, and such as that started happening in the news at an unprecedented rate. God said, I will bring disaster on this people. Like I said, I grew up in a place, my parents been married 51 years now, still. Yeah. Amen. I know I'm, I'm a weirdo now. I have difficulty understanding, folks. I know there's a judgment. My dad tapped it out in Morse code on my rear end with a thick sweet belt. He worked us like dogs. I had my first payroll job at 12. And before that, I think he started around six or seven. Started fishing at four. I tell you, one of the greatest miracles of my life, I've never been bitten by a snake. Yeah. I was four years old. Daddy one got me one of those uh, Daisy Golden BB guns. Gave me a box of BBs and everywhere he went fishing. He tried to take me fishing. I, he, I drove him crazy in the boat. You notice I don't like to sit still. Um, um, he just throw me off on a bank. Man, I'd run around like a nut. I probably scared more snakes to death than anybody else on this planet. But somehow I've never been bitten. One of my favorite verses is Proverbs 23. You know what that one says? Prudent man perceives trouble and hides himself. But the foolish just 
go right on. Somebody, I heard recently somebody was talking, they were talking about a, one of those far side cartoons. This guy showed up at the gates of hell and he's looking at the devil. And he said, wow, man, I just, I was just going with the flow. I didn't know it ended up here. <laughs> I got to get that one. I've got to find a copy of that. Because <laughs> that's what a lot of people seem to be doing. I'm going to tell you how it is. See this thing right here? This is my book. I don't expect, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on. I'm keeping my mouth shut about it because I, I seriously don't think you're going to agree with what I have to say about it. But you know what? I got a book. People all the time ask me about stuff and making judgments and comments about my life and my family and things. And you know what? They always jump off at some point and say, well, I think. Well, I really don't care what you think. Bring me your book that made you think like that. I heard a long time ago, somebody said, you know, when you start listening to somebody, think carefully if you want to wind up like them. I used to be against the children's church thing, taking the kids out of here. I found a, a subtle curse hidden in the Bible in Genesis 1, 11 and 12. That God put everything with its seed in itself according to its kind. What's wrong with the church? What's wrong with us? What's, what's causing these problems we're talking about? Is the fact that we produce after our own kind. And since we don't want anybody else to know what we are, oh, brother, we get spooky. I got some news for you. I've been trying to figure out if this thing's real. I have no idea. If it is real. You know, excuse me, Mr. Darwin and all the people believe his lies. In a hundred million billion gazillion years, this will never become a redwood. Nor will it produce one. You know, one of the things I don't like while we're on it. It's nice when you can say that with a smile on your face. <laughs> One of the things I really don't like is name droppers. Yeah. And there's a lot of them in Christmas. Who's greater than Jesus? Nobody. Why don't we want to know him? I've had the privilege of meeting some of the most amazing men of God alive on this planet. You know what I found out? They're still men. Yes. If I ain't around long enough, I'm going to be disappointed. Some of them sooner than others. I was always told, you know, somebody calls you man of God. You know, the God part is great. The man of is the problem. Don't be disappointed. You're going to, you know, that's one thing you're going to deal with. Is People are going to let you down. Preachers are going to let you down. Okay? No matter how hard they try. Get over it. Why are you hold somebody to a standard you don't want to live up to? Another thing that really fascinates me is how people have never even spent an entire day ministering to anybody have got such strong opinions about people in full-time ministry. Yeah. Is it, that's not a problem for you, is it? <laughs> I'm glad you preach it. <laughs> I just, you know, I spend too much time alone. I'm driving down the road and all these things. I just... just 
questions just pop up in my mind. Why is that? I figured something out today about that lady you told me about. I'll tell you after church. Okay, well, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 17. I am not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I'm telling you, I'll work on the problem until I solve it. I am what you call tenacious. I'm like one of them turtles that just latch on to you and just <laughs> not going to let go. <laughs> one time, there was a place over close to where I was from. My dad and his friend were fishing in it. And this place back in those days, a seven-pound bass was just a monster. You know? And uh, they were out there fishing one day before daddy hooked something. And man, he was horses. He was just the biggest fish he ever caught in his life. You know? Well, he pulls the thing up and it's a big old loggerhead turtle. And he wanted to catch, you know, he's got a bait in his mouth. He wanted to catch the thing. So he told his buddy, he said, look, man, he said, I'm going to turn his head that way. You stick the boat paddle in his mouth. I'm going to grab him by the tail. We'll flip him over in the boat on his back. Well, the guy stuck the blade in down there, and Daddy, for years, used a boat paddle. Had a big old chunk bit out of the end of it. The thing bit clean through that. Throw my strap back over there. Try to figure out some way to keep that thing coming in. Man, I'll tell you what, where's JJ? I love you, man. I don't want your beer. I think I got in the truck. I got here from looking in the truck, and all I have is my tennis shoes. I was like, oh, God, I hope I don't get in trouble about this. Look up, JJ's wearing flip flops. <laughs> I got it. Got bigger fish to fry than me tonight. <laughs> you know, you're going to. Each of you is going to come up against something. There's going to be things that are happening in your life. Something that's going to happen start when you're young. And you're going to find yourself getting in a situation when you're young. And you probably won't do so well with it. And then a few years later, you're going to wind up, and it's going to be at different times and phases of your life. You're going to wind up going through very similar situations in different areas and different places and different circumstances. And isn't it funny how that happens? Because the first time, you just don't get it. You think this is just a, an anomaly. It's just, I don't know why this is going on. And then the second time, you're like, wow, this has happened to me before. I didn't do so well last time. I think I'm going to try something else this time. And you'll want, you find out over the course of your life, no matter where you go and what you do and who you're in, change everything else in your life. You know, these people that want to divorce everybody, run out and leave everybody and, and go somewhere and start over. You know what? They just live the same Thing over and over and That's over true. again. That's right. You know, just I'm, I'm in a situation right now. It started happening to me when I was in junior high. And just keeps happening. You know what? I'm getting better at it. Amen. <laughs> I like it. God's changing me. You know, my. Uh, my high school guidance counselor was a friend of my mother. My mother and father were teachers. And uh, like I said, my dad, my, they were the ones that told me about Jesus and made me read my Bible and lived. My dad was the one that witnessed to me. And, uh, and it's funny, but somehow, for some reason, the second half of the year is better to me than the first because that happened in the summer of 1976, I believe. And... Seems like every time God really starts dealing with me about something, it, happens, it really kind of leans on me heavy in June, and then in July and toward the end of the year, things just pick up speed. You know? It's happened a bunch of times. It happened in 76. Happened in, yeah, when we got married, what was that, 84? Uh, 
What's so funny about that? <laughs> it happened. You're keeping up with a lot of information up here, y'all. You know? This is not. This is not an iPad. Okay? This is my pad. Uh, in the in '91, '92, and 2012, the same pattern of, of God's dealings in my life occurred, and same, and there were. There were big things happening. Um, you know, I, I'm sorry that you're a victim of something. I'm sorry that your parents did something. I'm sorry that somebody did something to you. I'm sorry. But you know what? In the kingdom of God, there's no such thing as victim's rights. Amen. Amen. You have the right to forgive that person. That's right. And if you don't, it will only hurt you. That's true. Man, I'll tell you what. I, there were some people I hated when I was a little boy. Growing up, and I seriously thought about it. I thought about doing some bad stuff. I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> I thought about hurting some people, and I am a. I'm gonna tell you. Like I say, I, I'm, I'm. I'll sit there and figure out. I'm, I'll make it. Man, they never know what I, where that came from. <laughs> like one, I was working with a guy one time. He used to like put traps on people's deer stands, okay. and uh, <laughs> and he, he's talking about one guy. He's gonna say, yeah, he said, yeah, he knows that this thing happened. He'll fall and just. Looked like the devil did it. <laughs> but you know what? I, I, I guess God just dealt with me. I, just, I didn't ever did do it. And uh, you know what? Most of the people are dead now anyway. They're not causing me any trouble, and I'm not in jail. Boy, I go some places, and I remember them, and I just sit there and go, nee, 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 nee. <laughs> Life's good. I'm having fun. Can you tell? Anybody ever get to Kings 17, 1 Kings 17? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember, uh, I'd say probably 1991, 1990, 1991 there. We were going to a church up in uh, Monroe, Louisiana, Pine Grove Church. And, you know, we was just like you, we were just full of faith and everything. And uh, had it all figured out. And one day we were driving down the road, and my wife and I had been discussing going to the mission field. <clears throat> and she made the comment, but we've got faith. And I looked at her and I said, but we've got jobs. We don't need faith. We were making a lot of money back then. And it was true what I said. Anyway, uh, God had been dealing with us, and uh, man, some, some really, it was just amazing how it all came together. It was, it was just it was God. You know how he is. He just he sneaks up on you and doesn't leave you alone. Unless you tell him to butt out like the Supreme Court does. And then he, he'll, he'll butt out. But anyway, uh, you know what happened? We made a decision and, and we went down there and buddy, it wasn't anything like I thought it was going to be. First month out, we made $25. Things are cheap in Mexico, but not that cheap. <laughs> Man, I just thought, you know, you hear all these cute little sayings. Oh, there's one I want to share with y'all. That one, where God guides, he provides. That's cute. It's just not in this book. Okay? It's not. How can Jeremiah go from standing before the king and prophesying the word of God? The guy is God's man on planet earth, speaking to the king of the nation and winds up knee-deep in mud in a well 
praying it don't rain. Don't, don't come at me with that stuff. That is Bible Belt religious garbage. Don't, but remember, I was, I was somewhere one day not too long ago and I heard a song that from back when I was a kid. And I thought, and I remember there's a, there a cute line in it. I remember boys and girls breaking up with each other using that little line, you know, and I thought, God, how stupid can you be to base some kind of decision on some random song that you yanked off the radio? Oh, okay. Uh, hmm. So, 1991. Uh, we're sitting there talking about going to Mexico, and uh, my pastor comes in one day, and uh, he had had this uh, probably one of the most unique messages I've ever heard of in my life. He, he woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning, and God spoke 15 points to him. And it wasn't a long thing. I mean, it was just, there were 15 statements. And I can still remember probably half of them. And I kept the tape till it just wouldn't play anymore. And, uh, and, and what was neat is one of the things he said that day is that, uh, you know, he was somebody said, somebody out here, there were three of them at that moment particularly applied to me. And, uh, and God spoke to him, though, that somebody in that church was going to go do that type of work. You know, I, I thought, I'd, try, I'd volunteer for everything around there. He wouldn't let me do anything. You know, it got to be funny to me. And uh, walked out of the service. They, they gave the altar call. I just walked out. You know, I went home. I had to go get something to eat or something. And uh, didn't figure anything out. We had prayer Tuesday morning. And uh, maybe you know, 700 people in church, five guys show up for prayer. And, uh, wow. Yeah, that's typical. And uh, they get up there and we were walking out of the car. I was expecting to hear him say something. You know, I said, so did anybody take you up on your offer Sunday? He said, oh, no. I said, well, I'll go. And I mean, I'm walking still. I didn't, I didn't stop for anything. I'm going, I'm leaving. You know? He said, okay, come see me. I about did a Fred Sanford. Oh, what? You're supposed to say no. You're supposed to make this easy for me. Well, it worked out. We went. Man, I was sitting for a seat and I were talking out there working the other day. And, it, and he, something came up, and I started telling some of the things we've been through down there. And I'm telling you, I noticed that for a minute, he, he quit talking. <laughs> he got quiet. He said, he said, man, I didn't have any idea things were that difficult for me. <laughs> Buddy, it was rough. You ever try living three months on five pounds of Peter Pan peanut butter? <laughs> and then have somebody curse you for the little Peter Pan logo? <clears throat> no, they didn't buy me any groceries. They just... Didn't want me eating what I had. <sighs> Religion. Anyway, one of the one of the points of that message, he read this story right here about Elijah being by the brook. And let's just read it. It says, uh, chapter 1, no, chapter 17, verse 1 says, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there shall be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. 
And the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. Now, he got up, read that verse, read those verses, and looked at the congregation and said, Some of you are about to lose your jobs. And I want you to know, within the next few months, three of the most upstanding good guys I've ever seen in my life got transferred, moved, or left the state. That's pretty neat, huh? Yeah. Well, last summer, we went into Mexico about the 30th of uh, June, wasn't it? No, it was in June. 29th. The 29th of June, we went in. Somewhere in that next week, first part of July, I was sitting there reading my Bible one morning and came across this story. And that's what I heard. The brook is going to dry up. Well, you know, we know more God. We can spiritualize this thing out somehow. Things have been getting tough for several years. You know, we our support has been going down. We've done burn through most all our, uh, all our savings is gone. And, uh, man, things are rough. And, you know, uh, I wouldn't uh, have people up here tell me, you know, if you ever need anything, call us. <laughs> It'll snow in a very warm place before that. <laughs> See how politically correct I can be. You, you want to go... You want to go down there to some garbage dump, feel sorry for some little Mexican kid crawling through it? That's what I've done the last few years. To be able to take them to get a hamburger or something. And I'm not mad at you. I hustle more scrap metal than anybody. You know, boy, I can find junk. That's what I was having to do to stay there. I was tired of it. I tried every way to figure out how to, how to not do it. See, I, I feel in a lot of things in life and in ministry, I feel like a failure. And I don't know, I don't guess, I guess, I, I suppose it's the only thing worse for a man besides feeling like a failure is to not have the respect of his wife. I tried every way I could to, to figure out somewhere around this. This is going to happen. That was, say, July. So anyway, we, I didn't tell anybody anything. We started talking. And, and we, had a, we had a big walk-in closet we built. And we had a pair of chairs in there. And that's, every night, that's where we wound up when I was, when I was there. Uh, we wind up in our closet, just me and her talking. Susanna didn't know anything about it. And uh, we you know, just looking and watching and wondering. And, and it, it just life got impossible. And I suppose around the 13th of October, I finally snapped. But do you understand there's a right way to do things? Some people don't. <laughs> and what was crazy is I had told Judy about, I don't know, four or five, how long have we known each other? Uh, maybe four years. After we came to the other place, we got that, and after that, I really felt like, you know what? 
things were cranking up, the violence and all that, you know, and I come from a place, guns don't bother me, honey, you know, you point one at me, I'm going to bother you, and, uh, you know, that stuff just happens, I've had them pulled on me, I've had, I've, I'll tell you what, I've, I've walked up and pulled them to my chest, you know, come on, do it. But I don't recommend that very often. <laughs> I was pretty sure I was doing the right thing a couple times I did it. <laughs> so far, I haven't run across a guy with a bullet yet, and I'm not, I'm not going to push it. <sighs> Man, this is rough. And uh, we left that, that time out down at the other building, and we were going back, and I told you, I came up with a plan. I said, all right, here's, here's the deal. If I get capped down there, I said, I want you to come over here to this side of Houston and basically in this area and hook up with some of y'all. And I mean, look, I know, you know, there wasn't many people over there. There's more com people coming in on that bus than was over there then. <laughs> you know? And that was it. And, and like I say, God started dealing with me about this and just showed me, and, and I'm like, man, I just, there was, you understand there's nothing you can do about it? You know, and you give that, have faith, brother. Hmm. Well, how you going to have faith against the hand of God? Elijah, do you understand? On planet Earth, he is God's number one spokesman, which I don't claim to be. He started the drought at his work. And the number one guy on the planet, speaking for God at the time, what happened? His brook dried up. What did he have to do? He had to move. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in the course of the fall last year, we, we came to that. Well, <clears throat> when, the last time we were supposed to be with y'all a couple years ago was the week Eric's dad died. And we, we were talking on the phone before we came. He said, look, he said, my dad's not doing this in the hospital. I'm standing for all the time. He said, if he goes before we get here, we're, you ain't coming here. You know, he didn't invite me to come to the funeral, so I didn't volunteer. I just... There's, you know, certain ways to do things. I didn't know the guy. And, uh, uh, you know, it was just very polite. You just go on your way and we'll see you next time. Well, November 4th last year was next time. We had that date open. And I called him. You know, say, you know, because I'd said, the next free date we get, I'm calling you first. And that's what it is. He said, come on. Okay, so you got no idea. We're walking here. And you got no idea. I am a pressure cooker. I am about to explode with everything that's going on. You know, a, a big blue Ford passed us on six coming over, and, and Judy said, hey, did you call Steve? I said, nope, I ain't going to do it until after church. So I know he's down here somewhere. You know? And we came in here, and we, we pulled up right out here, and I, and, I, and I told you, I said, look, I said, I said, I, don't, I, I was kind of formulating how this deal was all going to go down and moving and everything, and, and I couldn't say anything yet because it just wasn't time. And matter of fact, the phrase that kept coming to us the end of the year, the end of the year, the end of the year. Well, October ain't the end of the year, neither is November. Mm -hmm. December was. So, we ca I came in here, and I'm telling you, I was about to explode. Mm -hmm. And I imagine some of y'all could tell I was tense. Okay? Uh, man, it's just the weight of the world was on my shoulders. And I couldn't say anything to anybody. Nobody could help me. You know, it was just everything was weight, 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 weight. You know, one of the things, another one of these days when I get a chance to talk about it, there's, there's I want to talk to y'all about practical aspects of spiritual gifts, okay? Because there's a lot of hogwash out there. And one of the things I always thought that if God was using you, you would know it. 
And sometimes that's true. <clears throat> but he is quite capable of using you and not letting you have any idea he's done it. <laughs> we pulled up out here, and I, I looked at you. I was serious. Man, I was, it was heavy on me. And, and then all those months down there, and last fall, those four months we were down there, as I said, man, I said, this don't make any sense to me because I know some people, you know. But I feel like we ought to go start with Eric. You know, in my mind, it's 30 people down the street. You know? I was like, this don't make any sense to me at all. You know, I'm not coming here and getting a job. And we pulled up out there, and I looked at the full church. I said, I, said, I feel like this is right. This is the place. I said, we'll come here first, at least three months, you know, be around, see, what, see what's going to happen. Well, we came in, and I, I want to tell you all, just about every, I, if you spoke to us that day, God used you. Mm, amen. I remember Michael and Jennifer, JJ. Man, I mean, <coughs> everybody came up and said something to us. I don't know if you noticed or not, she and I were holding hands. And you'd come up and you'd just say something. And it wasn't some big, heavy, ooh, spooky thing. You were just using words and phrases that we had been using in our closet for months. Uh, uh, and as fast, look, we were sitting there. And y'all were talking, it was like this. <laughs> Every word, we were just, you know, we were squinting. I mean, you couldn't write this down, you couldn't film it. It would take, if you had it filmed, it would take me a year to, to I mean, there's no way. Every one of you spoke con, uh, confirmations of, of things that were going on. It's like every minute, every day was more and more sure. I mean, it's like stepping off a cliff, okay? And, and like every time we put that foot down, there'd be something to step on. There you go. Amen. And I, I just wish, you know, don't be discouraged. Some of you, you know, I don't know why I'm you, Cassie. You know, you, you worry about power and gifts and you want God to use you more. He is using you. Mm -hmm. The way you are, the, the joy and the peace that's on you is a gift. It is ministry all the time. Amen. I'm glad he don't let you see it. Because it changes. First Corinthians 14 1 says, desire spiritual gifts. And in Spanish it says, procurar. Get a hold of prophecy. It is a command. It's not an option. Well, that ain't my gift. Well, it better be. Well, you get quiet when you get serious. <laughs> so where was I? Anyway, I mean, it was that was one of the most awesome days of my life. I walked out of here, climbed back in the truck. I looked over and I said, we're coming here? We're going to be here for at least a year. I'm out here just being around y'all. That little bit, I could see a year down the road. Now i got no idea where we're going, but I'm telling you, you haven't seen anything yet. Yeah. I have been around a lot. I, would, I mean, it doesn't, you understand it don't matter. I'm not trying to use something over you. I've seen a couple of dead people stir. I've seen uh, 12, 15 people get out of wheelchairs and stuff. You know what? It could be 12,000 of them that ain't going to get me into heaven. Yeah. You, you got one of these Bibles there somewhere? Yes. Show me 
one of y'all please find, find me the story where God did some miracle and the whole nation began to repent over it. Mm. It ain't in there. It don't happen that way. But you keep walking on, they well, I've got to do this. They believe. You just want to be validated. Mm. I love it. There was a pastor over in Alabama named Truett Murphy. Boy, I love that guy. He said, you know, around here, he said, there's that hymn, there's room at the cross for you. We sing there's room on the cross for you. <laughs> Anybody want to come up there now? <laughs> Guess what? We came out of Mexico the 31st of October. Got to our office, and like I say, things were tight. Uh, I don't know, what, what, we, we was living on something like less than $1,500 a month, and that was glamorizing it. And uh, we got to our office in uh, October 31st, got the mail, opened up a letter. It was written October the 17th. And there was some people who were giving us a third of our support informing us that January 1st wasn't coming anymore. Mm. I know those people. I love them. They love us. And I know how hard that was for them to do. Mm. You know what they said? They said God directed them wow. to send that somewhere else. Wow. And, you know, when I was standing right, I was sitting right over there where, where Steve is. And he comes walking, and I feel this tug on my arm, trying to look, and there he is. I about passed out. <laughs> you know, I was avoiding him like the plague. Because of all the people I've ever met in the kingdom of God, that guy right there is the only one that ever asked me real questions about how we were doing. Mm. I was running from him because I couldn't tell him anything. Yet, <laughs> you know? And he called me. <laughs> so... December the 4th, we pushed the snowball over the cliff. And buddy boy, things went fast after that. Man, you should have been there. I didn't know I was such a giving person. I got rid of some stuff. I was going to give away some more stuff, and nobody's there to take it. We emptied a couple of houses. Man, we had it made. You understand? We had our house built, bought, paid for. I mean, it was done. We didn't know anybody had died. And God figures out we don't need to be there anymore. Mm. I had a place I could go fishing any day of my life. Now, I have no idea where to go. It doesn't seem right to me. Something, something's up here. Jump over to Revelation chapter 12, please. I heard an old man one night over in England got up and he said, you know, I'd love to share my testimony with you, but it would take about two weeks. And I thought he was being arrogant. But you know what? He was just old. <laughs> because the longer you live, the longer it'd take to tell. You know, it's kind of like the cliff notes of my life. This ain't, eh, I'll sneak in some other stories here and there. That guy's leaving the country, so we'll figure something out. <clears throat> Why do you think I didn't volunteer to go to India? <laughs> I don't uh, discount. Am I leaving any big unfinished business here? That's your job. 
Sometimes, sometimes I'm telling something. I, I got so many things going on in my mind, you know, and, and I look to me. What? You didn't finish that story. Oh, which one? Anyway, what is the most precious thing ever in the universe? It's got to be the blood of Jesus. Okay. Now, not diminishing its importance in any way. I want you to I want you to hear these things, okay? Revelation chapter 12 verse 10. Then I heard with a loud, a loud voice in heaven say, "Now have come the salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of the brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. We got that down, guys. We're fully dependent on that. We fully understand as much as we can. We understand the importance of it and what it means and what it did and what it does. Okay? Look at this. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. My mother was an English teacher. Couldn't tell sometimes what I talked. <laughs> uh, when you begin to link things, there is an equality in them. Yes. I'm not saying, see, I've been sharing some of my testimony with you. When's the last time you shared yours with anybody? Mm. Well, I don't have a real good testimony. What do you mean by that? You know, I wasn't on drugs, and I wasn't... What, what's good about that? Isn't Jesus... The thing? Does not the Bible say that He does great things? Yes. So what He's done in your life isn't great, isn't even good? That's what you're saying? Really, you're just ashamed. God, I can hear a motor running back there. Come on, guys. I'm serious. It's true. In this verse, the blood of Jesus, our testimony, and loving not your life unto death are equally important. Amen. Everybody wants the blood of Jesus because that didn't cost you anything. That's true. Do you ever think I was, I was preaching a while back, a few months ago? And I was thinking about it. Jesus is eternal, right? Yes. So, He was there when Adam and Eve were in the garden, right? Yes. Sir. And the Bible says God came and walked with them every day. I figure that's probably Him. I don't figure some cloud of smoke drifting by. Can you imagine standing there knowing someone's about to sin and it's going to cost you your life? Mm-hmm. Could you do that and not scream and holler and beat them down and stop them? <coughs> Jesus did. The blood of Christ. The word of our testimony. And loving not their lives. The other day, I was talking to somebody, they Christians or claim to be, and then started justifying and saying, well, you know, you know, you've been through some stuff, but you know, in our selfish life here. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You're going to claim to be a Christian and then claim to have a selfish life. Not possible. That means, you know, you say, 
But I love people. Well, if you're selfish, you're saying you can't love anybody. I'm sorry. I just, I find more in between the lines than in them. And I'm not beating you up. I'm saying, look, man, I'll tell you the hardest thing. When I first went to, to in the ministry, started, man, I mean, the hardest thing, the hardest thing ever for me was to pray for sick people. You know, anybody can talk. We all do that. But man, you love to go lay hands on somebody and watch them die? That's not fun. And I got tired of it. One day I walked, you know what? I believe in God. I believe He can heal. I believe He bought it. It's all there. But I'll tell you what, I laid a bunch of hands on a bunch of people and they died. Anybody want prayer? <laughs> and I remember one day I walked up to somebody and I, I did like a lot of you. I got a, you know, heads right here and I got a, God, please touch this person. God spoke to me. He don't do that that often. He said, you touch him? Then I'll touch him. Because I figured out, you know, this, this healing thing, you have no idea. Almost never. Very... I'll tell you what, when you know, it's wonderful. It's so rare. Mm. I'm bound to turn. I was so mad to JJ the other day that uh, he redeemed himself by wearing <laughs> flip-flops. Man, I'm, I told Eric, man, I want to pray. I want to touch everybody that comes up. I want every person up there, I want to touch them. Because something is going to happen. Somebody's going to get healed. Yeah. You know what? Might not be because, maybe because of their faith. Might be just a supernatural download from heaven. But you know what? It'll encourage you. And that'll help my faith. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when you remember uh, 2006, we traveled the world, we went all over the place, Africa and the Pacific, and good Lord, all over the place. And we're sitting there late in the year, we're sitting in a hotel room, just exhausted. I mean, we, we prayed for people in Africa one time. There was three of us there. And the last day, it was we were so exhausted. We could not do anymore. They, they got a couple of ushers, I guess. And, and got up under our arms and propped us up like scarecrows. And people formed lines like figure eights and they just walked by and just rubbed their heads on our hands. <coughs> we were sitting in a hotel room one day and we were talking and I said, how many people do you reckon we prayed for this year? And we thought about it and I thought about some meetings we had and all that. And we came to the estimation of about 30,000. You say you ain't seen anybody get healed. How many people you prayed for? That's good. If I'm the worst bottom of the barrel, what if I just what if we just got one percent out of thirty thousand? What if what if we did a little bit right? What if what if God was seeing? What if God wasn't? What if what if we got ten percent? How many would that be? Most most Christians, most preachers would retire on that. You know, I don't I don't care. I mean, I'll tell you stories, but I don't care about the past. There's going to be, and I was saying a few minutes ago, of all the places I've ever been, the ministries I've been involved with, people I've, I'm, I'm an observant, you know, the thing you were talking about, about the food back there, I did that once. Because I wanted to watch y'all. And I went back there and somebody handed me a hot dog and I stood against the wall and just studied everybody. And I figured out who's married to who, and who gives a rip about them people, and who don't, and who's messed up. We're being afraid. You'll never help them glaring at them. Amen. That's the truth. Amen. Man, you, you understand that's what their whole life has been. They walk in the door and get that. Amen. What they need to do is walk in the door and see you sitting in their seat. Yeah. I think that's what we ought to do. I think 
Sunday? What all sit? Well, start at the back. So when they come in, they're all sitting up here at the front. You're going to see some people get saved. Do it. Nervous, buddy. Yes. You go get one of them. Hey, come here, come here, sit with us. Yes. And you separate them? You ain't seen what the Holy Ghost will do to people. Amen. I dare you. Amen. I'm just telling you, of all the things I've ever seen, this is one of the most right, ready. I've been telling y'all for years. It was fixing, I, and I was mad because I had to go back down to Mexico and I was like, man, it's going to pop up here and I want to be here to see it. Yeah. You know what? Now I know it's going to pop in there and I ain't going to be there to see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say something somewhere. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I'm not here because I'm mad. I'm not here because I couldn't get along with anybody. I don't believe in doing things in life without God speaking to you. Amen. Amen. You know, there was times I was mad down there. There were times, oh man, how many times, man, Judy cried for the first two years we were in Mexico. I mean, you understand, two years? <laughs> two, holy, I'm not talking about it. Once that, I don't know about it. She cried every well, I worked so hard getting down there, and the first thing she does is look at me, I don't want to go home. <laughs> And more the river flowed. <laughs> and you know, it finally got to me. I remember when it was. One day, I looked said, I quit. Let's go. But no, we can't. What? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And there's always one of us or the other, but we never got to the same height. You know? <laughs> After 20 years, God finally looks at us and says, Hey, uh, I'm cutting you off, Jack. <laughs> you better move. And being the prudent man for seeing trouble. And I just say, I just can't tell you the peace that is on me. Amen. I was so afraid I'd come up here and be in some. I've seen people come up to the States and go to church and it just makes them sick. Oh, yeah. Can't. I'm not kidding. Amen. They'll come out off the field, out of ministry and backslide because it just, they come in here and look and it just make them sick. They come in here and second week of January, you're baptizing 20 people. You know, the first service of the year, six people get healed. That's what I'm used to. I, you know, one, one, there was a guy one time, he was getting sent out to start a new work. And he went to Brother David and he said, how do you get miracles? How do you get things to pop? He said, you get you some brand new believers. See, you look at those people that sit back in there, like there's some, no, 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 no. They're way better off than we are. They're not programmed yet. They're in, man. Oh, they're they're the best. And we got to mess up. And he said, read them the first ten chapters of the book of Acts and tell them that's the normal church. Because in God's eyes, it is. That little place that rock come from. It was crazy. Amen. It's going to get crazy around here. Amen. You're going to see things you don't like. Because what? You ain't God. <laughs> I want to thank y'all for letting us. You know, that's one thing I told. I was scared to death. You know, covering, I was talking to Eric one day. I said, I told you, I said, you know, for y'all, just change the church, it ain't no big deal. For us, 
would cause trouble. <laughs> and I had no idea. I didn't know. I was serious. I didn't know when, I, when the day I went back in the office, I was like, look, we're coming here. And I didn't know if he was going to say, it's okay, or no, I don't want you here. <laughs> but I want to thank you all for making us welcome. Amen. Man, we're just, life is amazing. I went to, uh, Steve talked to his uncle, went to see him about a job, supposed to start next month and start the next day. And, uh, oh, you want to hear one, one crazy thing and I'll stop. Judy's a nurse, you know, she's trying to get started back up. Nobody wants to give her a chance. And, and she, we looked at it and we talked about a lot of stuff. She said, I want to work at, where? Memorial Herman? Southwest, okay. You don't believe there's a God? You listen to this. My sister-in-law is cutting hair in Shreveport, Louisiana. And they're talking. Her and this lady. Hey, my sister-in-law's trying to get a job. Blah, blah, blah. She's a nurse. And he's, oh, really? Where she want to go to work? Okay. Her son just happens to be in management there. Huh. <laughs> I'm telling you what, within hours, the emails are flying. Right. Things are happening. Great. And she don't fail that background check. She's going to be working there. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all stand up, please. <laughs> Thank you for your time and patience. Don't ever, ever, ever think God's through with you. Because He's not until you stop breathing. Our guy, uh, he worked with Smith, Smith Wigglesworth for many years. And I did not know this. He said that, uh, that what you know, you and I know of Smith Wigglesworth's ministry happened after the age of 55. Most men in his country were dead by then. That's right. He had 30 years. We don't know. Don't ever give up. You can ruin yourself. Right? 